Thank you for listening to the Pursuit Church podcast. This is more than a podcast. Pursuit Church is a movement to connect to Jesus and make a difference. If you need prayer or would like to financially support our mission, reach out to us online at PursuitChurchSA.com. Now grab your headphones and get ready to dive into this week's message. Wow, wow, wow. What a day in the house. Woo! Man, I am fired up. It is so good to see you guys here today. Um, before we get started, we want yesterday was Veterans Day. Uh, the Bible says we ought to give honor to whom honor is due. If you have either served in the military or you are currently serving, would you just stand for a moment? We would like to honor you right now. Yes, yes. Anyone who has served or is currently serving, yes. Can we just thank God for your service? Thank you, thank you. Today we we honor you. We honor you. You may be seated. Wow, what a, what, a powerful, what a powerful time in God's house. Today we're continuing in a series that we're calling, He Did This, We Do That. Pastor Karen did a, just a beautiful job last week of kicking off that series. What we're looking at here is how to develop an attitude of generosity, an attitude of generosity. In other words, we want to learn to be generous like Jesus is generous, right? And last week... Pastor Karen reminded us and showed us that generosity is not just about money or tangible things that we can touch. You see, Jesus had very little money and almost nothing, and yet he lived a generous life. And he's calling us to live a generous life. We also learned that there was a difference between acts of generosity and an attitude of generosity, right? Acts of generosity kind of come into our mind, and and they're good, and and we do them, but they're usually short-lived, Right? They, they come, we do them, and then they're gone. Whereas an attitude of generosity lives in our heart. And it can bear fruit for a lifetime. It can bear fruit for a lifetime. Last week, we looked at how Jesus was so generous with forgiveness. With forgiveness. Even though others beat him, mistreated him, and eventually killed him on a tree. Some of his final words were these, Father, forgive them, forgive them. And because Jesus did that, he's calling you and I, we learned, to forgive others too, right? It was a powerful lesson in what can happen when we are generous with our forgiveness. Today, let me start with this question as we get into another area of generosity. Are there some things that you just won't do or aren't willing to do? For God or for someone else? You say, man, I don't want to do that. I ain't got time for that. I'm too tired. Or that's their problem. I'm not getting involved in that. Or how about this one? That's below me, man. I'm just too cool for that. (laughs) Come on. Or my favorite, that's not my job. Oh, I may have said a few of those things in my life, (laughs) being honest. But here in this series, we're looking at how to be generous like Jesus, right? I want to tell you a story today. I want to show you a story in Scripture where Jesus was encountered with with something that you and I probably wouldn't want to do, okay, if we're being honest. And the story is found in John chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 1. This is what it says. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, To the Father, having loved his own 
who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Let me tell you what's going on in this story. This is Jesus at the Last Supper. This is the last meal he's ever going to eat on this earth. And gathered with him are his closest friends and followers. They were called his disciples. There was 12 of them there. And you see what Jesus was doing, as we just said, is he loved them. He loved them how long? Say that. Jesus loved them till the end. The word says he loved them to the end. But how do we express love? When you say that you love somebody, oftentimes that comes with a show of what that love looks like, right? There's some demonstration of that love. Let me show you what what love looked like that night for Jesus. Continue reading now in John chapter 13, verses 2 through 5. This is what it says. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. My waist is a little bit too big. Jesus, we're going to do this. He grabbed a towel. And then he took a basin, put it on the floor. He filled that basin with water. I'm not going to mess up our stage today with water, so you only have two props today. And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel. So I want you to envision this is Jesus. His disciples, one by one, he calls to them. He begins to wash their feet. And as he does, he has a towel. That he dries them with. Jesus had a lot going on that week. In fact, on Monday of that week, he had gone to the temple and cleansed it. And had thrown a bunch of vendors out, had turned tables over. And he said, you're not going to make my father's house into a house of merchants. He said, my father's house is a house of prayer. So that was Monday of his week. Okay. Then Tuesday, he had a massive argument with the religious leaders of the day. It was go time. You see, Jesus already knew how this week was going to end. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Jesus already knew how the week was going to end. Everybody else didn't. So Jesus had this massive argument. He was all in. He's saying, look, guys, I've come. My time has come. They didn't all get it yet. And then we have what we read tonight, which was that holy Thursday night called Maundy Thursday. You see, the very next day on Good Friday, Jesus would hang on a cross. He would be beaten and he would die for our sins. And while he was doing that, while he was having this meal, while he was washing feet, he knew it. You see, Jesus knew it while he was eating that night. Now, did he go cry in a corner? No, actually, he would have blood, sweat, and tears later that night in a garden called Gethsemane. But when he was with his disciples, he loved them to the end. Did he try uh, and tell his disciples, oh, I'm kind of tired, man. I've had a heck of a week. You guys just kind of do your thing. I'm just going to kind of sit over here. No, he loved them to the end. 
But how did he show his love for them? Before he even did that, he served them. That's how Jesus showed his love. He actually served them. He served them with an attitude of generosity by doing something that nobody would want to do. Let me tell you about this washing feet custom back then. Similar to if if you come to my house right now, I'm going to give you the common courtesy of, hey, can I take your coat? Can I get you a cup of water? Back then, feet washing was a common courtesy that was extended to those that would come visit your house. But here's the thing. Back then, it wasn't the master of the house that would wash your feet. That was reserved for the lowest servant in the house. Dirty feet was a dirty job. And so it was the lowest servant. The master may have you come in, but he would say, hey, can we wash your feet? And a servant would do it. He wouldn't do it. See, washing feet was a dirty job. It was considered beneath the master of the house. Beneath him. He wouldn't do it. He would literally say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. There's another part of this Last Supper that I want you to understand that's going on. It's not recorded here in John. and It's actually over in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 gives us another picture of something that's going on. And that was toward the beginning of the meal. There was a dispute amongst the disciples. And you know what their dispute was? Which one of us is going to be the greatest? That's what they were saying. All right. The word says they began to to dispute among themselves who was going to be the greatest. Jesus saw this, saw the hardness of their heart, saw what was going on. And what he told them was, well... I hate to tell you this, but it's actually the least of you. It's, it's whoever's going to be willing to serve. That's actually going to be the one that's going to be greatest in my father's kingdom. So understand that's going on along right before this foot washing. It's important that, that we get that. Because then, because Jesus saw the hardness of their heart, he showed them. What serving looked like. It wasn't a philosophical uh, dissertation on service. He showed them what serving looked like. Here's the king of the universe. The God of all creation. The Lord of lords. Washing feet. The disciples couldn't believe it. Peter said, no. Lord, what are you doing? Why are you washing our feet? We ought to be washing your feet. Is what Peter said to them. They actually, they couldn't believe what was going on. Because they knew to the world how demeaning this task was. How actually it was the lowest servant that was supposed to be doing this. They hadn't gotten it yet. They hadn't gotten it yet. So this is what Jesus told them. This is how he responded. John chapter 13. Verses 12 through 16. He said, when he had washed their feet. And put on his outer garment and resumed his place at the table. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right. For so I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you what? An example. That you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly. Let me give you a little Bible lesson here. When you see the words truly, truly in scripture. You better pay attention. 
Jesus says something twice. First of all, we have to pay attention the first time. When you, see, when, you, when you see the words truly, truly, he's really trying to emphasize a point. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. My friends, Jesus served his servants. Let's get that. Jesus served his servants, his disciples. Because he was loving them to the end. That's why he was serving them. Because he loved them. His motivation for serving them was his love for them. And he was setting a pattern for them and for you and I to follow. Serve out of love. Serve out of love. Not because you have to. Not because you are obligated to. Not because someone tells you to. My friends, those are surface reasons to serve. Those are surface reasons to serve. An attitude of generosity when it comes to serving comes from here. It comes from our heart. See, Jesus saw some hard hearts that night and some dirty feet. He saw hard hearts and dirty feet. And his approach to deal with those hard hearts was to wash some dirty feet. That's what his approach was. He assessed the situation. He saw an opportunity to love, to serve, and to teach. That's what Jesus saw that night. He saw a need and he filled it. He served out of the love in his heart. It says he loved them to the end. That's what Jesus did. And that, my friends, is what he's calling you and I to do. You don't need to wait for an invitation. You don't need to have a title or a position to serve somebody. You just have to love them. That's it. Jojo. I remember a time when I didn't want to serve or I didn't want to do something one time. I was sitting in church. Service was about to begin. This is many years ago now. And all of a sudden I hear my phone wasn't on. It was on. Vibrate, okay, come on now. Make sure your phones are always off in church, okay? But I heard it vibrate, and I looked down, and I was just sitting there. See, Pastor Karen had gone to drop off our granddaughter in the nursery. So I get a text from Pastor Karen that says, come to the nursery right now. Okay. All right, well, my wife says come to the nursery. I guess I better get over to the nursery, right? I was like, really? Okay, so I go to the nursery. And what had happened was Pastor Karen had, had gone to take our granddaughter and drop her off, And while she was dropping her off, she saw that there was just one person in the nursery. Three were scheduled. Only one was there. Two others didn't show up. She asked the nursery uh, uh, person that was in there, who's actually a really good friend of ours, hey, uh, not have any help today? She said, yeah, I did, but the other two didn't show up. And so there's Pastor Karen with like nine or ten little babies and little ones in this one person. So first of all, she starts lending a hand. And start saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to help you. And then the next thing she did was text me. <laughs> so I get to the nursery. And I immediately walk in. And I say, hey, babe, what's, what's going on? Uh, she hands me two babies and said, these babies are now your responsibility for the <laughs> next hour. If I'm honest, did I really want to do that? No. I'm, you know, man, they had my favorite worship set that day. Set to me. I was like... Man, 
I mean, I had service all planned out. I was ready for the word. I was ready. And they, you know, and those of you that know me just know I, I love to sing. I love worship. And they had my favorite worship set going that day. And I'm like, for just a minute, I said, man, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. And then it hit me. I said, wait a minute. Here's a chance to fill a need. Here's a chance to love on some babies. Here's a chance to serve so that some parents can sit in the house and hear God's word and have their life changed. Here's a chance to serve somebody by helping this, this other nursery person who otherwise would have been overwhelmed. There's a need. Here's a need. It's a chance to fill it. And here's the thing. At first, I didn't want to do it. I'm just being honest. I'm like, man, I don't want to do this. Until, until I actually started to do what Jesus did. Once I approached this as a labor of love instead of a chore, once I took those little babies in my arm and rocked them to sleep and saw the sweet smiles on their face, Now I had an attitude of generosity, not just an act. Jesus washed feet. I rocked some babies. In that nursery that day, I was trying to train myself. Come on. Here's something you can do right now to meet a need. And I'm still trying to train myself. Pastor Karen is fabulous at this. This lady, she sees a need. She's going to jump in and do it. Any of you that know her, her heart's already there. Mine still needs some work. I'm being honest. I've been training myself all these years. Hey, when you see something, step in and do it. Step in and do it. Jesus was saying this on that Thursday night more than 2,000 years ago. Serving is not just something I do. A servant is who I am. Will you say that with me? Serving is not something I do. A servant is who I am. Everybody, serving is not something I do. A servant is who I am. That, my friends, is the attitude of generosity. You know, we have so many people here at Pursuit Church that have adopted that attitude, and it is so beautiful to see those who are true servants because that's who they are, that's who they are not just what they do. I honor each and every one of you today that has that servant mentality. And I could name so many names right now, but would you allow me just to, to point out one beautiful servant in this house? Her name is Maddie Bell. And I'm not going to make her stand up and embarrass her. And some of you guys know who she is, many of you. She has lovingly been serving in our nursery for the last year, loving these babies, loving on them, and then just last week, she got the chance to go to a different class. It's going to be like three-year-olds through kinder, right? So our next-gen director asked her last week after her first time, hey, how'd it go? With tears, she said, I loved it. I love being with those babies. Thank you for the chance to serve them. My friends, that is what an attitude of generosity looks like. That is what an attitude of generosity 
looks like. When it comes to an attitude of generosity, remember this. Love leads. Serving follows. Love always has to lead. If you try and serve without love, you're going to, I'm just here to tell you, it's going to become a chore. It's going to become a task and you're going to burn out. Trust me. I've been there. Good, bad, ugly. If you're serving without love, it's not going to last. But if you serve with love, then the serving becomes more of a joy instead of a chore. The serving becomes eternally consequential. I want you to know that. We don't always think about that. When you serve, you are actually impacting somebody's eternity. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that. But that's true. That's true. Love first. Love the people that you're going to serve. Love whatever group or person. Learn to love them first, and then the serving will follow. That's what Jesus did. You love God, so you serve him. You love your spouse, so you serve them. You love your family, so you serve them. You love those in this church, so you serve here. You love those in the community, so you serve in our food pantry. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. May that be our prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Will you just pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us so much. And thank you, Jesus, for loving us now and until the end of time. God, we love you so much. And please help us to live out the life of service that you have called us to live. Let your love shine in us and through us as we learn to love and serve others as Jesus did and and as you're calling us to do. Father, help us to see a need and to fill it. Help us to get over any pride or hesitancy that we may have so that we can fulfill all of the plans and purposes that you have for us and so that we can truly make a difference in this world. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ.